Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and Linda Franklin has the day off. As promised, this is show number two in our How to Get a Job series when you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s because we all know when you 20 years have passed before uh, you've gone on a job interview, it can be really tough out there. But we've got some great solutions today. We've got John Schrupp of CPR My Career. He's going to talk about the resume. It's all about the resume today. So if you guys need to put a resume together if you're thinking of leaving your job if you're worried about losing your job all those things are very real realities in the workplace today and especially if you're 40s and 50s and 60s like we are on powered up talk radio it can be an overwhelming task john welcome to the show uh thank you sandra yeah i look forward to uh sharing my information with everyone I think it's really important what we're talking about today because for somebody like me, John, you know, if I lost my job and hopefully the radio won't put me off the air anytime soon, right, Eric? Um, I haven't done a resume in 25 years. And I would imagine that things have changed a little bit because I would have my mission statement, I would have my education, and it would fit only on one page. You know, all those things that I was taught in business school 20 years ago, has it changed that much? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, the job search has changed uh, completely since the last time many of the people we work with have looked for a job. And, you know, over the years in developing a CPR My Career, we've worked with thousands of job seekers, all with an average age of around 48, 49 years old. And with a, you know, maybe a 10 year difference, younger or older than that. And so anyway, with that, uh, we've received feedback from thousands of individuals who are actively looking for a job. And occasionally you run into someone that really knows uh, what they're talking about. And over the past 10 years, we've uh, accumulated all of these great experiences and really have assembled what we believe are the best practices of a modern day job search. And and with that, a big part of a job search, so the, the cornerstone of your job search, it, is the resume. And so a lot of the more current information that we have uh, that is working actively in the field today of getting reemployed relates to exactly what do you have, what is a resume and, and, and what do you have on the resume? What are the things that you should really be focused on? So you have quite a bit of change from the last time most of the people we work with had to actively search for a, for a position. 
Well, and one of the problems I ran into, John, in preparing for today's show, and I bet a bunch of our listeners are having the same problem, is, is you know, I Googled, like, how to write a resume, resume samples, sample resumes, you know, for, for different careers. And I can't even tell you the wild, crazy things that are out there, you know, from super conservative to just wacko. You know, one, one site was talking about, you know, mail in your resume because everybody emails it, you know, put it on. On bright paper so it doesn't get lost make it big big font so it stands out from the rest and the other one was spray it with perfume and I'm like are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> but that's the information that's available out on the web and you are the expert your company CPR micro I want you to tell us a little bit about what you do and why you founded your company so we know if we should listen to you sure absolutely so we started a company that is, has been focused over the years on assisting a dislocated worker with every aspect of their career transition. We started uh, many years ago working with uh, dislocated employees that were coming from companies such as uh, Verizon, AT&T on the East Coast, and then we moved to companies that were going through mass layoffs, the Ford, GMs, and Chryslers of the world, and a lot of related companies related to them. And, and then we moved on to smaller companies as well throughout the years, assisting those dislocated workers with every aspect of the career transition. And, and those individuals taught us as to what we should be focused on. And, and so really today we just focus on three things, three really important things. Recruiting. We're part of a substantial recruiting network. We have uh, connections with over 400 recruiting firms, so we're able to work with multiple industries, multiple professions, and these are private recruiting networks that the general public does not have access to, and if we get your place, we earn a fee, and that's one of the ways we earn revenue. So that's a good thing. Uh, the second thing that we're really focused on, because the problem with recruiting is, you know, companies may have... 300 people that apply to a job, they may have 3,000 people that apply to a job. Uh, one person is going to get the job. Well, what about everyone else? And that's where I saw a huge hole in the game of the recruiting industry is they, they really didn't care about anyone else. They made the placement, they moved on to their next placement, and they never talked to anyone else. If they spent all their time calling the remaining let's say 300 people applied, calling the remaining 299 people, let them know they didn't get the job they go out of business. They have to move on to the next placement. But we really worked on a process that focused on helping all 300 people apply who applied to that position. So yes, we're working on placing people, but then this idea or this concept of outplacement comes in, which very few people really understand what that definition of outplacement is. And really it's a better way to explain it is career transition services. Uh, the only time people generally receive these services is if they're typically in the past has been if you're you know uh, a member of a union and and the union required the company to provide assistance with someone that's getting laid off or a really wealthy company that wanted to maintain their reputation in the community they provide outplacement services but we call it career transition transition services and ours is driven by the, the active uh, candidate who's actively looking for a position. And so what we have is really an assemblage of the best practices uh, of a job seeker that we, we combine into a very precise process. And then 
after so all So outplacement, that, hold on, John. So outplacement yep. isn't outsourcing. It's like how to help people get a job after you leave my company. Is that what outplacement is? That That's correct. People okay. commonly make that mistake. They think outplacement is, oh, they're going to give me a job. And no, they're not. I mean, traditional outplacement organizations might help you with the psychology of dealing with the stress of being unemployed. They might help you find the unemployment line. They might help you uh, rewrite your resume. They may give you some advice on LinkedIn. That's what they're doing. And what we found is that a lot of that is big, relates to kind of the big picture of the direction you need to be going in. And we didn't want to focus on the big picture. We wanted to give you the details necessary to get reemployed because You've been doing something for 20, 30, 40 years. You get it. You know what to, you know what you need to do. You need to get reemployed, hopefully in the same industry or profession that you were in before, so you can maximize your income so you can live your retirement dreams. You know. And then as we move into retirement, that's where our retirement experts come into play as well. Wait, during this career transition, you probably shouldn't just leave your 401k at your old employer who no longer cares about you. Or what if you had an old pension plan? What happens to your pension if that company goes under? Do you lose it? Can you lose it? What about the buyout package and the seven or eight or nine options they are giving you? What are the right options? What about health insurance? All those questions come to mind and we have uh, financial advisors that assist individuals with all those aspects of the career transition as well. Um, well, yeah, because isn't it true that only some of these things can be moved in between jobs? Like once you're reemployed, you can't touch this stuff? That That's correct. So while you're in a career transition, there's no better time to reassess exactly where you're at uh, as you're working towards your ultimate goal of retiring and living your wonderful dream life in retirement. And so if you get reemployed, maybe it's too late to, to do anything. You really need to address your retirement dollars while you are in this state of flux of transitioning from one career to another career or one job to another job. So certainly the best time because the last thing you want to have happen is have your 401k unemployed while you're unemployed. There's, that, that does not help you. Well, and it's, it's funny because it's counterintuitive. You think, okay, I've lost my job or I'm in career transition, which is the nice way to put it. You know, I'm in between jobs or whatever it is. The last thing you're going to think about is your retirement plans. You're just going to think about like, oh, my God, I need a job. I need a job. You know, but you're telling us that we really need to take a step back and go, okay, now is the time to review the retirement plans that we have maybe with our prior company or companies. When we see uh, – when we are identifying issues that uh, – the, an individual has in making a career transition, there are a lot of needs and there are a lot of uh, stress points. And, the, and now when we, when we look at retirement plans, what we find is the majority of their retirement assets are in an old 401k uh, and where their money was allocated amongst the, uh, some mutual funds, uh, most likely. Uh, and the individuals typically got very little advice as to how to properly allocate uh, their their money. Uh, many, uh, many, countless clients that um, when they get their state 401k statements, they, they're just piled up in uh, the corner of their office where they haven't opened one in months or a year, literally years sometimes. And so they really don't have a good handle where it should be. And, you know, your, your 
uh, as you age, the risk assessment of your retirement dollars changes. You need to be looking at things differently. You need to be start planning. You need to accept the fact that you're 50, not 20, and you need to be doing things maybe a little bit differently when it comes to your retirement plans. Well, and I think that's, you know, like kind of the, like the come to Jesus we all have to get to, you know, whether it's weight loss, whether it's it's your finances, at some point you got to look at what is, and I'm one of those people who don't open my bank statements, you know, and, you know, they're like pile up, like I've got two years of them, like hooked together with a rubber band, you know, they're not even out of the envelopes, um, but I don't want people to to miss the opportunities because there are some great opportunities for when you are in career transition between jobs, and this is one of them. Um, John, when people are in transition, it's pretty stressful, and and so when you're handling somebody who has to put a resume together, how do you help them sum up 25 years of experience on a piece of paper? Well, <clears throat> my first challenge always is to get rid of the preconceived notions that people have as to what should happen with the resume and how a resume should be created. The information that we have on resumes is endless. And we can go online and like you said earlier, you ran a search and you found all this <clears throat> excuse me, all this information. But when you look at that information, when you run a Google search on how, what to include on your resume, you'll have a lot of conflicting information. You'll have a lot of information that's outdated. You'll have a lot of information that really is high level and not in, uh, into the detail. And the biggest th point that I like to get across is, you know, it's no longer about how great you make yourself sound on your resume. Today, if you want to be effective on a job search, your effectiveness has nothing to do with about how great you personally sound on your resume. And that's what I find that most resume writing professionals uh, do. They get in, they get to know the, the client, they get to know what they excelled at, and then they try to emphasize what they're great at. And all of a sudden, uh, you become um, you know, someone who got up and, uh, and went to work on time every day for 30 years to becoming the world's greatest accountant or world's greatest project manager or world's greatest this or that. That's or my favorite. It's like you're the Italian cuisine logistics engineer. <laughs> That's a pizza delivery guy. In yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, sure. It, and that, that would be a misrepresentation of what you really are. You know, and, and so there's all these uh, things out there pieces of advice out there that we follow and we think we're doing it right and people are so locked into that that when I give them advice as they're actually what should happen, they still go back to discussing these old points and they need to throw everything they know about the creation of the resume away and realize that today it's not about how great you sound on a resume. It's not about having a one-page or a three-page resume. And it's not about whether or not you use an objective statement or a summary statement. It's all about how well you match up to the specific needs of an employer. If you're not a good match, and if you're not a, a close match to their very specific needs, then in my opinion, you should not even apply to the position. 
So, like, I'm going to just, you know, segue a little bit on this. I get a lot of resumes for people to work for me in technology. And I got a, a Marine resume recently that told me, you know, under his, you know, specialized skills is that he had three tours in Iraq and 25 confirmed kills. And as much as I was proud of him and I was entertained by that on his resume, I was like, what does that have to do with being a CSS style sheet programmer? Like, you know, and so I just, you know, unfortunately I threw them into the other pile. I didn't even read any further because I'm like, you don't, you don't even come close to what I'm looking for. Is that what you're talking about? The matching? And that's correct. That's correct. And, you know, I'm not opposed to him advertising his military career because that, that is a quality that uh, many employers want to hire. Uh, what I don't like about it is that, yeah, he's not probably, it sounds like he was not telling you exactly why he would be well suited, suited for your needs. And right, because what's in it for me as a, as a hiring person, like as somebody looking to hire you or somebody else or this guy, you know, I have to look at it, go, what's in it for me? How is this going to help my company? How is he going to solve whatever problem? Like in my case, I had a need for a programmer. How is that going to help me solve my problem? Is that typical of most hiring companies? Well, yeah, absolutely. And now I always like to do this. This is always fun when you're, whenever you're looking at, a sales process, which, you know, getting a job is a, a sale of yourself, you know, s sit in the chair of the hiring manager, okay, and understand from their perspective what's going on. First of all, they have a, they work for a, a company where the company has standards and requirements for employees, and certainly that's listed out in maybe what they're looking for within their job description, but also realize this person's under a lot of stress. They're probably working extra hours to cover for that missing employee that's no longer there for whatever reason. Um, and they probably want to get this hired as soon as they can. They may have 10, 15, 20 resumes on their desk. And have you ever been in a situation where you have to hire someone and you have those 15 resumes and you go through them? And you really don't understand why any of these resumes were even handed to you, and you're Absolutely. really disappointed. And but you finally you find three resumes that they're pretty good. I mean, they they might be okay. I'm going to have to ask them a hundred questions to see if they're they're they are the right person. But you know what? I think I'm going to set up an interview with these three because we really have to get moving on hiring for this position. But then a day later. I know most of us have had this happen. A day later, you'll get a resume in that when you see it, you almost fall out of your chair. This is such a perfect match. You say to yourself, you say to your peers, if this person is half as good as what they say they are on the resume, I'm going to hire them on the spot. You, you run to the phone. You run to your email. You're hoping you're not too late. You're hoping they're not, too, they're not gone. You know, that is what I we define as a must-speak-to candidate. And that's what we try to get everyone to turn themselves into on every single resume that they write. And so, you know, that must-speak-to candidate, if you think back to you seeing that resume, and you even wish you had not even set up the other three interviews. You're just, I just want to get to this person, and you know what? If they're it, I'm hiring them. I, I, I hope I'm not too late. And why do you think that way about that person? Well, you think that way because 
Well, is it because they meet some of your needs or all of your needs? Well, as a matter of fact, they meet most, or if not most, they meet all of the needs that you have. And are they explaining it in a way that you understand it yet? Yeah, they're probably using the language that you, you use in that particular profession. And are they triply overqualified for the position? <coughs> Absolutely not. Because then if they were, they'd be a threat to you in your own position. You're not going to bring someone in that's going <laughs> to walk right past you and take your job away from you. You, take, you do have a, a level of self-preservation, and I don't care how confident you are, you still have some level of self-preservation in mind, the way corporate America works these days. So you know, just because you're triply qualified doesn't mean they're tri triply excited to actually speak with you. And so you know, those are the qualities that... Of becoming a must-speak-to candidate, those are the qualities that we're trying to get, instill in someone's mind so that when they, when they write or, or create a resume, they, they become that must-speak-to candidate where people sprint the phone, sprint their email, are, are dying to get a hold of them. Well, and that's so interesting because that's such a different mindset than traditional resume construction. Traditional resume construction, I think, for most of us is like, how do I make myself sound really good? How do I make myself do this? How, and it's all about me. And you're asking us to think about what does the person hiring want from us? What do they want to hear? You know, as long as it's truthful and honest and reflective of your skills. But that's kind of a different shift in, in your way of thinking. It is. And I think that I think your number one challenge is this. It's finding a job that you are truly highly qualified for. You know, we, we often stretch. I could do that. You know, I have experience in that. Well, do you really? Do you really have enough experience in that? Do you, are, do you really believe you would be the best suited person for that position? Or do you think you could probably pull it off? If you're thinking you could probably pull it off, well, then maybe you are kind of a stretch for that position. So let's get better at finding positions in which we believe we're highly qualified for. Now, once you find a position or multiple positions that you believe you're highly qualified for, then from there, what is your game plan? Uh, wh what are you prepared to do to get that position? And uh, if you don't have a game plan and you don't have a strategy, then I would say don't apply. Do not clog up their system with a bad resume when you have a chance to give them the right message from the right person covering the right thoughts and ideas of why you'd be the best fit for that position. Well, it is funny, John, because you know what it sounds like? It sounds like internet dating. I know, you know, most of the people listening here, you know, given 40s, 50s and 60s with a 60 percent divorce rate in our country. Um, you know, it's one of those things about like, how do you present yourself? How do you present yourself in social media? How do you, you know, put what your best attributes forward are, you know, for a relationship or for a job? I mean, there's a lot of similarities in what you're talking about. Absolutely. Funny you say that because um, it was recently reported that eHarmony might be getting into the recruiting industry, and which is you know, a really interesting concept when you think about that. Yeah, if they're experts at finding the right match, why couldn't they do that in the professional environment? They should certainly, I'm sure they can. And if they are pursuing that, I think that's wonderful for the recruiting industry. It's going to make us all stronger. So, yeah, really, really interesting. And, 
in that. And you know, that's another thing. You know, uh, as we go down, that, that's moving into the psychology of a candidate and the psychological assessment of a candidate as to whether or not they're the right person or right fit. And you know, another huge issue or problem I see with someone who's actively looking for a job who hasn't been in, in, in that job search market for 10, 20, 30 years is that they take their interviewing abilities for granted. You know, they, everyone always tells me, you know, I'm speaking of 50 to 200 job seekers uh, between age 40 and 60 every week of my life and done so for years. And, you know, almost everybody I talk to will want to tell me if they're not telling me direct, they always say, John, just get me in front of the hiring manager. I'll get the job. And I think, I just think to myself, no, you won't. <laughs> Don't be so sure of yourself. Today, with the advent of the internet, with the advent of applicant tracking systems and advanced software products that allow people to really sort and filter out people, they can find lot, several candidates that have all their appropriate skill sets. Now, the interview process isn't about whether or not they're qualified to do this from a, a skill set standpoint. Now it's learning about the psychology of the candidate, whether or not they're the one that's going to walk through the wall to get the job done, whether or not they're the one that can hide, handle the high stress and still be calm, cool, and collected and get the job done. And, and that's what they want to learn about. So. You know, psychological testing has taken over that interviewing world, yet we find most people, and we're talking above 90% of the people we work with, uh, would say to you before we got a hold of them that they wouldn't actively prepare for an interview. And I think that's a huge mistake. You know, but, huge you know, mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, John, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, the things that people should do. And, and you know, I can see why people would choose you over and over and, and continuously year after year. Because just talking to you at this point, I'm getting overwhelmed. Like, I'm so thankful that I don't have to get a job right now. But when I do, I think you're going to be my first call. Um, because all this stuff we're talking about, now we throw in another whole lump of stuff that didn't exist 20 years ago, and that's social media. I mean, talk about overwhelming from Instagram to Pinterest to LinkedIn to Facebook to Twitter, you know, and then there's all these small little social networks out there. And you know, that's got to be good and bad. Like I, I can think of five reasons social media is good for a job search. And I can think of five things you can do on social media that can kill your job search. I mean, I don't even know where to begin the conversation on social media and getting a job. And that's why you're here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, if you think about social media, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll be 49 this year and I have a child just graduating high school and a 16-year-old as well. And, you know, they are the real pros of social media. But I remember when I, I at one point in my life, was fairly active on Facebook because it was fun. It was, I got to reconnect with all my old college buddies. And and, uh, it it was actually pretty funny. Our neighborhood was pretty active on it for a while there. But, uh, you know, now now I don't use it at all. It's, It's interesting kind of the cycle of how that stuff works. But, you know, 
someone my age, I mean, typically when we think of social media, we probably think of Facebook or Twitter, and we also think of the fact that, yeah, I better clean up my image on Facebook because I don't want to see, you know, I, I don't want my potential employer to find a bad Facebook photo or a, or a, a, some goofy story or something, you know. Um, you know, and that's not what it's about at all. You know, and, and I also find that, you know, as we give advice about social media, the first response I get from probably about mm, somewhere around 60 or 70 percent of the people that we're dealing with, the response we get is that I love your process. I love what you're going through here. I love everything you're talking about. But John, I don't do Facebook. I don't do Twitter. And I, and I go, well, you know, I don't care about your opinion about Facebook or Twitter. What I do care about is what Facebook and Twitter can do for your job search. That's what I do care about. So it is important. Well, and John, you know, I'm going to just say, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a tad younger than you and my kids are younger than you. And what I'm seeing is that my kids who are preteens, they are all over social media. They'll like if they pick their nose and get a nosebleed, they take a picture of it and stick it up there. Something that would horrify you or me. What about the privacy thing? Because when I talk to my peers, you know, I use I use social media a good deal to promote my shows. Um, and I've gotten over the privacy thing. You know, people are like, oh, don't post a picture of your child because you know a pedophile will find them well there's you know 50 million um kids posted on facebook and they're fine i mean you know whatever but our generation and up seems to have this big old privacy thing where i'm not going to give up my privacy but yet they will take their resume with their home phone number their home address and fire it out to like 52 different companies that could be full of pedophiles you know what i mean it's like to the point of like okay let's let's be real here can we talk a little bit about privacy because that's the one thing that i hear over and over in my peer groups is that well i'm a very private person i don't want to be public you know i hear that as well quite a bit and you know initially i guess i didn't understand why people were that way if you're unemployed you have a goal and that is to get re-employed and if that's your number one goal how are you going to get there and I believe social media is the easiest way uh, to look 10 years younger. So I think the reason why people are concerned about privacy is because they view social media as just a venue for their personal lives. They don't even factor in the fact that you can develop a whole professional online brand related to you and your profession. And because they've never even thought of it that way, and they haven't created anything down in that direction, of course they want privacy and they don't want to share their personal lives. I get it. Well, Selena and I started putting two and two together here and realizing, you know, individuals we're talking to don't even realize that you should have a professional brand online. And there are many ways to do that effectively. And, you know, we work with a lot of human resources executives uh, and have so for years. And, 
you know, when we first started working with them, I was always scared presenting them our outplacement program because I always felt that they knew more or they were going to be very critical or they were going to challenge or say whatever I had to say wasn't true. And I never ran into that. They always uh, were very appreciative of the information I shared, but, you know, they were also able to add quite a bit to our knowledge of social media. And, you know, people always think that, you know, HR, they're just looking at social media to find that bad story, to find that silly photo and and have a reason not to bring you in. And that's not what they're looking for at all. They're just trying to find any information they can to help them further uh, move them further along in their decision-making process. And what they're trying to figure out about you is they're trying to figure out who you represent professionally, what whether or not you can be an asset to them, what kind of a network you have, how current you are in your profession, uh, you know, what do you bring to the table, what are your specialties, what, what's going on. And all of this can be on social media and very uh, uh, powerfully presented so that when uh, someone in human resources is having to determine whether or not they're going to bring you in for an interview, when they go to check out your brand online, they love what they see because if, you know, frankly, if they run a search on you, they don't see a thing. That's not good. People instantly, that ages you. I, I always think, you know, there's a lot of advice on the use of LinkedIn. And I always think if you want to look 10 years younger, use LinkedIn, use Twitter, use Facebook. Those things make you look a lot younger. And so, but use them from a professional standpoint and, and you'll start to realize the power of social media. Well, it's, you know, it's so true that you say that, John, because, you know, um, I look at the stuff that I put on LinkedIn and Facebook and I, I present myself, you know, as these different radio show hosts, you know, these are my guests and this is who I'm talking to today. And when people meet me and they, they meet me for a variety of reasons, whether they want to hire me for a speaker, hire me for a job, whatever, they can Google me and go, wow, you know, a lot of interesting people. And I'll say, oh, yes. And what I love most about it is the ability to talk and learn so much about X, Y, and Z. And the conversation is easy. And you're almost hired before you're hired because your social media can give people a view of who you are as a person, what's interesting to you, you know, what what is your your business style, what is your business philosophy, you know, all these things can work as like mini advertisements for you in your favor if you know how to do it. That's right. And, and you know, personally, you know, I'm building a brand online, a professional brand online, you know, just throwing the – Everything I said there sounds good. It sounds hip. It sounds new, modern, current. It sounds like it's something I should be doing. But what does it really mean? I'm building a brand online, a professional brand. Why? Well, I think it's as simple as this. I think I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn, and I think it's as easy as blogging on topics you know a lot about from your profession within professional groups on LinkedIn. It's starting somewhere. And I always look at, you know, someone with uh, 30 years experience doing something, they have so much detailed knowledge about different topics around that, just the industry in general, the profession in general. 
the very specific details about their industry, the very specific details about the profession. I mean, you can really dig in. And uh, there's a lot that you have to offer that you don't even realize that uh, maybe a younger individual wouldn't know anything about. And so, and, and if you look at the average age of a user of any of the social uh, media formats, they're typically a lot younger than you and I are. Well, that seems like that's a disadvantage. Oh, they're younger. They're, they, I can't even communicate with them. Well, no. To me, what it means is that you bring more to the table. You're, you've been doing it longer. You're brighter. You're smarter. You've, you know more. You have more of a history. You can bring more context that they don't have uh, to the table. So I think you know the easiest way to start addressing this is getting active within a, 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 an industry or professional group on LinkedIn and being active on their blog network and getting you know things going so that you look like the resident expert. So that now when HR goes to do a little, a quick little search as to whether or not they want to bring you in, they actually find something. And when they find something regarding you, they find that it's not tied to your personal life. They find it's tied to your professional life and it's online. Instantly, you've just backed off five years from your age because age discrimination, you know, easily and age discrimination is a major issue. And then on top of that, when you've been loading it down with discussions loaded with keywords related to your industry or profession, then employers who don't advertise jobs online, they can find you because a lot of companies are going direct online to find people because they don't want to advertise a job online. I mean, you think Apple advertises jobs online? Uh, never. I mean, they, they don't want any of their competitors to know what they're, what direction they're going. They also don't want maybe employees that they're going to replace know that, that they're hiring for those positions. And, or also, they don't want to receive. I mean, think about a posting from Apple. How many, if they did a national posting on one of the major job boards, how many resumes do you think they would receive? Oh, my God. There'd be no way they could even, <laughs> like, you know, search through them. Oh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be crazy. It'd be, you know, 100,000 resumes for a job. It'd be that, that crazy. Or, or maybe even worse. It'd, just, it'd be unbelievable. So, you know, a lot of companies are trying to find you directly online. And if you're not published online or you're not tying your name to all the keywords associated with your industry and or your profession, then you're never going to be found. And that's becoming more and more prevalent each and every day. And, well, and I'm, I'm going to just chime in here, John, and say, you know, when I'm looking for tech people, you know, and my tech people can run anywhere from a really, you know, smart 18 year old who's just a whiz to, you know, a 60. I, my, my oldest person that's ever worked for me was 81, if you can believe it. And, you know, but they knew their software in and out and they, you know, that's what they did morning, noon and night. And, you know, these people are hard to find because they aren't social. But one of the things that I would do is I would go on these social medias and I would start talking about you know some things and then that's how I found this 81 year old and she was wheelchair bound and you know smart as a whip and she's like oh yeah she's like I have a solution to that with this blah 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 and she used all these terms and whatever we got in this whole chat 
And I privately messengered her after. And I said, gosh, you know, you have all this information. Are you working? She's like, oh, no. She's like, I'm retired. I'm 81. I'm in a wheelchair all day, but I'm on the computer all day. And I said, well, how would you like to do this job for me? And it was just a small job. I wanted to see how it would do. This is what it pays. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, she worked for me, you know, for six years. And I mean, that's eight, she's 87. And now she's like, I'm retired, honey. I'm too tired. You know, you just go, this is unheard of. But the fact of the matter was her skills were so outstanding and she demonstrated them in a way that wasn't, you know, obnoxious, that wasn't, uh, you know, and it just happened to, I came across her on social media and I'm like, this is great. And you didn't know that she was 81 at the time. No, I had no idea when she told me I just about fell off my chair because realistically, I don't think I would have given that person the time of day if, if I'm honest, because I think, oh, my God, they're going to keel over. They're too old. They don't know the technology. Well, guess what? This lady has been on the computer, you know, for the last 10 years since she was retired and she had more time to invest in it since she was retired than the rest of us. And she was the one with all the software solutions. <laughs> That's a great story. That's a great story. And it, we hear it all the time. You know, I, I was uh, in, in, in a bout of uh, anger and frustration, of getting, getting sick of hearing people say that they don't do Facebook, they don't do uh, 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 LinkedIn. I, I had my staff drive home the point. And I made them do this for two months. Drive home the point that Facebook is the way to get rehired. I just I just picked Facebook because that, in my opinion, was the least likely way to get rehired. But because I always thought LinkedIn was the better way. But but regardless, I, we we drove it home as a point because I, I I you know just in general, when you look at Facebook, that is primarily just a very very personal network. You know, it's more personal than LinkedIn. LinkedIn and, and all these social media sites have their own idiosyncrasies. But with LinkedIn, you want to connect with everyone, everyone, anyone, anyone you've ever met in your life because you don't have to have a conversation with them. And not only do you get access to them, but you get access to all the friends. And the whole goal is to have this enormous group. So that when you run a search on something, you can find people. Because when you run a search on LinkedIn, it's only searching your first level, second level, third level contacts and people in your group. So you're trying to build that up. <clears throat> so when you run a search, you can be effective. Okay. Well, Facebook, though, Facebook, you're being really critical. You don't want to friend someone that uh, you couldn't stand. You don't want to friend someone that you don't want to be associated with. So it's this tight personal network, and people just dread the idea of using that to find a job. And I, I well, no, no, no. Here's an intimate group of people that you care the most about, that care about you quite a bit, or at one point in their lives cared about you that would happily still do you a favor if you just asked the right way. And so I, I, we had a whole script of how we would walk people through and, and what, what they would say on, on Facebook. And within the first two weeks, I believe we get 10 different people were rehired because of what we were telling them to do on Facebook. I mean, we followed them along. We didn't know until, you know, two months later whether or not they get Rehired, but the, I think in the first two weeks we tracked all the people we had the Facebook conversation with, and 10, 10 were rehired just because of their work on Facebook. So yeah, uh, social media very very powerful in the job search. But once again, um, circling back to the resume, uh, 
you can have the world's greatest connections. And because you don't have the right message on your resume, when you deliver that your message, that's not a great message on your resume, when you deliver that to a great contact, you still fall on your face on the job search. So how do you even, like, again, you, you, you stumped me because you're like a great message. You know, what is the message? Like, you know, hi, I want to work for you. Hi, I do a good job. I mean, no, I, I don't even know what, what, I don't even, you have to explain this to because I'm really dumb with this stuff. But what does that even mean? Well, yeah. So we, I circle back to the resume and the resume represents how you can be an asset to that, that company and their needs very specifically. And so you know, I, I find that sometimes people on a job search who are, we are approaching, I find that they will ignore our advice because they have a great personal or professional network. And when I'm telling them, it doesn't really click. They're not really listening because they're like, you know what? I can walk in the front door of the top 15 companies in my hometown of Chicago or Atlanta or Dallas or LA and I can hand my resume into the board members or or to the CEO or CFO or the head of HR and I you know I, I can get rehired I just got to focus on what I want to do and you know what's funny is I have a, a good friend of mine that um, is one of the he is probably the in the top three people I've ever met in my life uh, as to how well connected they are professionally. And he, he wouldn't listen to me for two years. He floundered around looking for a position. He was waltzing his resume into the CFOs of every company in the Twin Cities, and he never got rehired. And he had all the skill sets necessary to work at any of these companies. But because he was delivering the wrong message on his resume, it was all about how great he was as a public, uh, as a public accountant and a SEC reporting accountant that, you know, he never got hired, even though he had these great connections. So it still comes down to turning yourself into that must speak to candidate. I don't care if you're applying on a corporate website or you're handing the resume in to the head of human resources at the hiring company, you still have to be that must speak to candidate or you're not going to get anywhere. And the job search. Well, and that's really where you come in as the professional. You know, there's been so many times today in our time together that I'm like, I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know. <laughs> you know, it's so overwhelming that to have somebody like you in your back pocket, um, you know, would be pretty amazing. Uh, but, you know, my biggest question, I think most people are asking, like, what is the cost? Now, what's the catch? What's the cost? Like, you know, how do I how do I afford you know your services while I'm looking for a job and I don't have any income? Correct. Good. Good question. And what's interesting about uh, working with CPR in my career, we don't charge the consumers that we work with a penny for our services. Uh, the way we earn money, we earn money through our referral networks. And let me explain. So. We earn money if we get you placed within our recruiting networks. We're going to earn a recruiting fee that's paid by the employer, not by the candidate. does not affect their salary at all. Uh, when you sit down with our financial advisor, the financial planning firm pays us a finder's fee. 
That's paid. That's a marketing cost to them. It's like advertising. They didn't have to advertise to find you. Well, yeah, they had still have to pay me. So we earn money there. And then when you use my job board, all the jobs that appear on page one are typically under a pay-per-click model. And when you click on a job that you think you could be qualified for, we earn money there. So add the three together. We've carved out a nice niche of revenue that we earn in three different ways, all while helping you and not having to charge you a dime. Where competitive services, uh, compared to what we have to offer, we hear it every day of our lives. We hear companies charging anywhere from $3,000 to $9,000 for services that I think we outperform. Uh, and, and I think we're outperforming these individuals because we're working with more people because we are free, number one. We're also very targeted. We're only working with people between age 40 and 60, number two. And, and number three, we over the years have harvested our best job seekers, best practices. And when we run into a best practice, it's pretty easy to <laughs> It's pretty easy to find them and identify them because when we see someone getting a 50% response rate when they're applying online, we know they're doing things dramatically different than everyone else. So we interview them, we offer them uh, all kinds of uh, compensation to get access to their ideas and they share them with us and we get the rights to share with everyone. And, and now, you know, you do that for 10 years and you have an assemblage of the best practices of the, of the best job seekers in the U.S. today. And that's, the, that's why I think we have a strong program. So, yeah, that's the good thing for anyone listening um, to this program is the fact that we can help you out and we're not going to charge you uh, a nickel for our services. Well, I think that's really important, John, because I know, you know, as much as I would be struggling, any added expense at that point would be really, you know, frustrating for me to have to, to cough up that money. But then on the flip side, it's like, what is it costing you not to be employed? Like, you know, every day that goes by that I'm not earning a salary or not earning a paycheck, you know, that's just like increasing the pressure. So there's really no reason why somebody wouldn't engage you with their services because either you can help them or you can't. Either they are coachable or they are not. Like, it seems pretty simple that you guys are the expert. This is what you do every day. I mean, how many people have you placed uh, since you started this company? Do you have those numbers handy? We've placed thousands of people into very, a variety of positions. I don't have the exact numbers because not everyone gets back to me with the specifics as to that they got rehired because of our process. Um, and, you know, it may be three or six months later after we talk to them that they get rehired, but it was because how we coach them on how to write their resume, and that's why they got rehired. Uh, but we've heard from plenty of people that, you know, because of us, that has allowed them to be successful in these three areas, which allowed them to, to get a job. Now, when you, when you teach people to do this stuff, if I'm not good on the computer, because a lot of my peers are not good on the computer. They call me all the time. They're like, Sam, I can't get the margins right. I can't get, you know, if they don't 
have access to a computer or they don't know how to use a computer. They've had a secretary for 20 years or they're like my brother who's a NASA rocket scientist, the smartest guy in the world, and he still spells mommy, M-O-M-I-E. You know, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. you know, God bless them. But, but, you know, what do we do? Like what kind of service do you offer some ancillary services like for people who need the actual physical construction of a resume, you know, and put in a format, you know, with all these different formats now, like there's, are you Microsoft Word? Are you Microsoft Office? Are you Google Docs? Are you Google Docs X? You know, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot to know. And then they're like, well, the preferred way is to send it in a PDF. And what's the PDF versus a JPEG? I mean, there's some technical things that you need to know in the construction of your resume far beyond what you put down on it. What do you do when somebody comes to you or somebody's thinking, well, I would like you to help me with this but I, I'm not in the position to physically construct this. Well, one way that we help is, you know, and in looking at our business model, we, we are able to make this a profitable company by having a, a fairly decent amount of volume coming through the doors each and every day. And so for us to handle the volume, we've had to build our company so that we're scalable, so that, if we're helping one person, we could help 100 people. So we do a, a webinar training session every Monday through Thursday that really walks individuals through our entire process of what you need to do to become a successful job seeker. Um, and then we provide online tools uh, that we had custom designed to match the needs of the consumers we were working with. They, they were telling us what they needed and what they what they didn't need. They were very, you know, people are very loud and clear as to when we're not helping them the way that we they think we should be helping them. And so the loud and clear came through what we needed to provide to address the needs of that active job seeker. And so we have a suite of tools and services, we have a full resume writing tool that will literally, you can point click and it'll write your resume for you and it'll put it in any format you want. It'll publish your resume online. It'll share it with all the major social media outlets so you can SEO your your, res, uh, your brand online. But, you know, with that, and then it has tens of thousands of pages of pre-written examples as well. Now, with all of that, uh, there's still that individual that doesn't like our software because our software is really designed for someone that isn't good at computers. It's a point-and-click it, it, it chooses all your formats for you. You don't have much flexibility. Well, if you are that pro when it comes to Microsoft Word, we advise you to still use Word, but you just use our software for all the examples, for all the writing examples, and, and from all the uh, different areas that we can help you with, with the software. So not only do we have the resume writing service, we have a cover letter writing software program as well. We also have an interview and salary area that's really extensive. So if you're in the middle of a salary negotiation, we're going to help you with that. A lot of people struggle because they think they're going to overprice themselves or underprice themselves. So we have a salary range finder for you that I think is fairly accurate for your community that you live in. Um, we have 500 of the best interview questions that are typically the most common interview questions that are asked. But not only do we give you the questions, we also give you the answers. And then we also give you the psychology behind why they're asking that question. And studying all that would literally change the way you speak 
And then we have job finder boards. Uh, we have a couple of Twitter boards. We have a, a offline board that you can load on your desktop. And then we have our own search aggregator that's sweeping jobs from the top 95 job boards. And it's also sweeping jobs from over 70,000 company websites and companies that don't use job boards. So you have all these, all, all these tools available to you. Now with that, all this is overwhelming. I'm throwing so much at you. Um, we have a very precise process as to what you need to do each and every day to be successful. We can step well, that's, that's it, John. I mean, it's like you're overwhelmed. You're, you went from a busy job to all of a sudden all this open time and how to maximize it. Do you help us walk through like what we should do every day? Yes. I, I, when I look at this, I drive myself crazy looking at all the services we have. And, you know, we needed to come up with a very precise process where someone could just, I go over a lot with them, but I, I then want to boil it down to a simple process of what you need to do when you get out of bed each day. And that's what I see is missing most of the time for any advice that I read on, uh, you know, how to get reemployed here in 2015. There's a lot of great big picture advice, none of it drills down to the nitty-gritty details um, which you need to be successful. And, and so we're, we're drilling down to the tasks. We're going to tell you exactly what you need to do each day, every day, five days a week for the next 30 days. Follow this process. You will see dramatic improvements in the number of interviews you're getting, which will lead to dramatically increased opportunities to get reemployed. Now, John, you're going to love this because it's right up your alley. We've got about two minutes to the end of today's show. One of the biggest uh, interview questions that are asked of consumers are, why should we hire you? So I'm going to throw this to you and say, why should someone who is out of work or losing their job or, or approaching a career transition contact CPR My Career? What would you say? I would say because if you don't, you're not going to get rehired in a in a suitable amount of time. <laughs> You're just not. Or if you do get hired, it's going to be because of luck, not because of skill. You don't have a choice. You have to do things our way or you're not doing it the right way. And, and it sounds aggressive, but it's not. It's not aggressive. It's fact. And so do it our way or sit around wondering why no one's getting back to you. And oh, so I love that's why you need to contact us. And, you know, we don't charge you a thing. So why not? Right. What's there to lose? That's it. I mean, it's like you've got everything to gain. You've got nothing to lose. You guys do this stuff day in and day out. And here I am sitting, you know, listening to this radio show going, I need a job. So the company is CPRMyCareer.com, just like it sounds, C-P-R-M-Y-C-A-R-E-E-R.com. You can Google it. It comes up right away. We've been interviewing today the CEO of the company, John Trupp. He's worked there from the ground up. He's knowledgeable. He's He's a great guy. I can highly endorse him because I think after crawling all over this stuff, there is no better company out there if you're looking for a job. This is Sandra Beck from Motherhood Talk Radio. Look up CPRMyCareer.com and we'll catch you next week. 
We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind The Real Cougar Woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in her personal life. Check out our website, poweredupwithbeckandfranklin.com, and join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on toginet.com.